Welcome into Decision Letter Debrief. I'm your host, Alex Patarelli, the Director of Undergraduate Admission at Regis College, and very excited for today's podcast. It's been a little bit since we recorded our last one. Um, and just as a reminder for the last one, we had Nick Lanier uh, in for that podcast, and he talked a little bit about his path to college, which is the non-traditional path. If, if you remember, he had a military background, came to uh, higher education and is now working in higher education and had that um, unique path that's definitely different than my my personal path. And I think it was a great opportunity to talk to Nick. He also dove a little bit into his vocational journey. And as this is a parent-driven podcast, he talked a little bit about what it's like to be a parent of students and guiding them in the college process, which I thought was great as well. And Nick talked a lot about his benefits, his GI benefits that he was able to take advantage of when he went to his institutions. But of course, we know that that is not the case for everybody. Not everybody's going to qualify for those types of benefits, but they still need to afford college. So that's where we are today. We are joined by the Director of Financial Aid, Tanya Jean-Francois, who is going to go through a little bit of the financial aid process with us. Welcome, Tanya. Hi, Alex. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Tanya, if you want to start by talking a little bit about your office, what is the office? What does it entail? How many staff members do you have with you? Oh, excellent. I'm so happy to be here today. And we have an office of about eight sometimes nine with our consultant of financial aid counselors. We service all populations of students, undergrad, grad, and um, our online population as well. We do have some non-traditional populations that we like to serve, but for the undergraduate population, especially our prospective students, we have three dedicated financial aid counselors, and we have a financial aid coordinator as well as myself. We are passionate and we are committed to student service. We want the students to be happy. We want the families to be happy with the service that we provide them. So, and the information and the brochures and everything that we give them. So, um, we are here 100% for the students. Yeah, and I think the point of the point of this podcast was to have something for parents and yes. be able to connect with them. And I know your office gets a lot of phone calls from parents. So, oh, yeah. hoping that this episode is an opportunity for us to kind of demystify financial aid, talk about some of the frequently asked questions, and really make it accessible to parents who are going through this maybe the first time, maybe this is the fifth time they're going mm-hmm. through it, but it's different every time. Right. And as you know, Tanya, the yes. regulations change. It can be confusing for a family if every year when they sit down, even when a student becomes a current student, Yes. you still get questions from parents. So Every uh, year for the four years that they're here. <laughs> right, right. So um, I'm definitely glad to have you on because I think this topic is so big for the parents that we're trying to target yes. um, with this podcast. So I'm glad to have you on kind of middle of the road. This is our fourth episode. So nice. we, we've had a couple lead up to this, but I think this will be a really uh, popular one as well. So thinking about the timeline of a high school student considering college, when should they complete the FAFSA or when does the FAFSA even open? Sure. So... Uh, The FAFSA opens up every year on October 1st, and a student typically won't really submit it until their senior year for the following year um, to receive a financial aid award letter. However, there are steps that students and families can take leading up to that senior year as a freshman, as a sophomore, just making decisions as to what schools are attracted to them, what programs, what majors, that sort of thing. And... um, so that they're just better educated on where they're looking to send that FAFSA to. So October 1st every year is when the FAFSA opens. So 
I would tell students, don't do it exactly on October 1st because there's a rush. Everyone rushes to the website and sometimes it, um, it tears it down. But shortly after, you're okay to submit the FAFSA. Yeah, we get a lot of questions in our office. Should I submit the FAFSA at the same time that I submit my application? I always suggest yes, because I think the process is just faster. You get your admission decision, financial aid decision pretty quickly. Absolutely agreed. We we always say if you're submitting your, your common application or your application to the school, submit your FAFSA at the same time. It does take three to five business days for the Department of Ed to send it to, to Regis. And we will need to review the FAFSA, look at all the data that you submitted, and it could take up to two weeks to receive your award letter, provided everything is um, is received that we need from the student and the family. Yeah, and I, I also think just in general, as a student, you would want to be able to compare your financial aid packages from November, December until May, as opposed to waiting, getting your financial aid package in March, and now you have six weeks to decide where you want to go to school and appeal and compare financial aid packages. I think the earlier you can get that in and get it back, the better. I think you're so right about that. You're onto something. First of all, the financial aid award offers can be complicated to read at first for, you know, for a senior in high school and their families doing this for the first time. So they will want to get accustomed to the different types of financial aid offers out there and um, just kind of learn what the different languages on the award letters, grants versus scholarships versus loans, work study. Um, and the most important question for the family is what is that net cost to them after all of the aid has been submitted? So. Yes, they should start the process early, collect their financial aid award offers, and compare them throughout and see if it makes sense for the family. And if not, reach out to the different financial aid offices and um, get clarification because this is the largest investment that the family or the student is making for themselves. So they want to have a clear picture. Yeah. And you, you lead right into the those different terms on we see on the financial aid package, the federal loans, the ups, unsubsidized, subsidized, <laughs> the grants, the scholarships. <laughs> so if you could just quickly just differentiate between scholarships and grants and then unsubsidized and subsidized loans, that would, I think that would be really helpful for a lot of families. Absolutely. There's a lot of terms and terminology in um, financial aid. Um, and yes, we do want the students to have a general understanding. Here at Regis, we offer our brochure. It's called the Award and Financing Guide, and we update it annually to make sure that those terms are the most recent. And we try to simplify the language as much as possible for families to understand. So a subsidized loan means that the government is paying the interest on the loan while the student is in school. And the unsubsidized loan is earning interest throughout their time at the school. The student has the option to pay the interest on the unsubsidized loan throughout. They could also pay, make a payment on the, on the subsidized loan as well. However, um, they have the option to defer until after they graduate. Yeah, and I think for us, when a student gets their financial aid package, they evaluate it, mm -hmm. like you mentioned. They, they get accustomed to the language. Yes. And then you and I sit through appeals. We get appeals all the time. Yes. One thing that I'm finding more and more, especially as more of our population becomes first generation college students, first in their family to go to college, mm -hmm. is students hesitate to appeal their financial aid because they think that it shows that they're ungrateful or we should have just appreciated our first package or there's no other avenue for me. Absolutely. But you, you and I know that there's a, 
both at Regis and outside scholarships, there's other avenues that students can pursue. Absolutely. And every year we we aim and we we encourage students to submit an appeal if there's any extenuating circumstance that their families are experiencing or even if the financial aid award comes just a bit short of what they were expecting, we we, we want them. We want to hear from the student and the family. So they should definitely submit an appeal letter. And as you said, sometimes there are grants that go um, untouched fully throughout the year or scholarship funds that are available institutionally that we just need to know who needs it. So we encourage students definitely to appeal. But you're right. We see lots of families who think, you know, the, the school will think I'm ungrateful and um, or either decline or decrease my award. And that's so not the case. Yeah. And, and I guess we should have probably talked about this at the beginning, but we're seeing the last couple of years, FAFSA filing is a little bit down. Students uh, students are not filing FAFSAs as much nationally. It's yes. not a Regis thing nationally as right. much as they had previously. It's not just us. Right. And I think some of, the, some of that is contributed to by sticker shock. They mm-hmm. see the prices of these schools and they think, I'm, I'm never going to be able to afford, so I, I applied and I got in, but I'm not going to submit the FAFSA. What would you say to those families and those students who applied and got in but never filed the FAFSA? What kind of advice would you give them as far as not letting the sticker shock be the barrier that stops them? Absolutely. I always say leave no stone unturned. They should definitely submit the FAFSA. They never know what they could qualify for. A lot of schools hold um, use the FAFSA as a way to establish a marker for distributing need-based institutional funds. So by cutting yourself off of the FAFSA, you actually might be cutting yourself off from funds that could help you pay for your tuition and funds that you don't have to repay. So even if it's a a loan, a low interest loan from your school, it's better than being without a way to pay for your tuition or your charges or your room and board, your balance. Yeah. And I think one thing that we've talked about with the Center for Ministry and Service on our second episode and with Nick in our last episode was the value of education. Yes. So education, we know costs a lot to come to college, but the cost of not going to college can be devastating long-term. And I I think students should give themselves a chance by filing the FAFSA, by exploring their options, by sending an appeal. The worst you're going to hear is that the school is not affordable. Right. But I would imagine you would find something out there that is affordable. Or you might be surprised. The school might come through with a scholarship or grant funding or an alumni who is willing to sponsor a student Schools have that happen all the time. That can make a huge difference for students. The worst the school could say is no, and at least you know, and now you can make preparations from from that point forward on what's your next step, but you'll never know if you don't ask. So, yes, we encourage everyone um, to definitely inquire as to what other sources are out there, what can the school do to help them meet their need, especially if you're applying to a school that doesn't meet 100% of the, the cost or the need, um, but there may be other ways that they can be helpful. Yeah. I, I got this question right when I started working in admission. Is the hardest part of your job denying a student? And I had to really think about it. <laughs> I had to really think about it, but I think, and I, I think you'll agree, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like the hardest part of my job is accepting a student that really wants to come here, but ultimately can't afford to come here. Yes, yes. And I think I think we do a pretty good job of individually counseling students and their families, mm-hmm. but that at the end of the year, those are the hardest students for me to work with. It's the students that I really want to help, but financially it's just not going to work out, and, and that hurts me a little bit more than the student it's that we have to deny. Yeah, It's heartbreaking, even on our end. I think what's the hardest for us is sometimes the facts are just the facts. The numbers speak for themselves, and sometimes there's just not much more that we can do. And it is heartbreaking when you have a student whose heart is set, they fell in love with the school, and um, you know there are other options, that there are other situations at play that either prevent them from applying for financial aid or um, they just don't have the resources to help secure a private student loan or a co-signer for a parent loan and that sort of thing. And um, those are the cases where it's really tough. But we do the best that we can and we, we stay with the student from start to finish. So. Yeah, we do do a good job of staying with the student. And, and that's the one thing I try and promote to parents and students all the time is at Regis, you get one one financial aid counselor, one admission counselor, two people that you can work with from the beginning to the end, right? Absolutely. And at a lot of other schools, that might not be the case. And then you're calling and you're having to explain your financial situation to six different people and you're starting from scratch. And, and at Regis, you're getting that individual attention in the admission office and the financial aid office, which I think is really nice because yes. you're not having to go back and explain your situation to somebody new or start from scratch, even if they don't get their financial aid counselor, your counselors do a great job of keeping notes in their file. So if they end up with a different counselor, they're not starting from scratch. Absolutely. That that new counselor has the the file that has the notes. And I think that's a really comforting piece for our parents and our students, especially our first-gen students, Mm -hmm. where they don't feel like they have to go through some of their financial pain or trauma over and over and over again somebody is you know there to just kind of help them through the process seamlessly from the beginning through their enrollment absolutely and I pride my I pride my team I'm very proud of them because they have a lot of years of experience in financial aid so sometimes what one person did not pick up on another counselor, you know, when we get together and we review the file may say, well, perhaps this could be an option for this student. And we just kind of explore the different avenues and routes to take to, um, to get the student where they need to be and the family. So altogether, my team, we probably have over 30 years of experience in financial aid and, um, you know, financial literacy and, and other things of that nature, scholarships and grants. Yeah, it's Loans. a great team that you have over there right now. So, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. This is a little bit of a curveball. We, we didn't prep you on this question, but I'll, I'll ask you anyways. Um, you're a parent as well. This oh, podcast yes. is for parents. Yes. How do you feel like your perspective in financial aid changed once you became a parent? How do you now that you know that okay, I have a student, and now I have a student in my office who is the son or daughter of of you know parents somewhere. How did that perspective when you were advising students kind of change when you became a parent yourself? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, and it's, it's fully loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I have a, um, my young son is not in college yet, but he will be in a few years. And when I became a parent, 
I realized that you have to start saving a lot sooner <laughs> than you thought. You don't wait until, you know, they're in high school or even that year that they're a senior to begin making preparations or plans to how you're going to pay for college. You have to start honestly from from birth. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I realized. And um, have I done a 100% job at that? Not completely, but I, I know that I needed to. So I started making some preparations towards that. The other thing that I realized is that, you know, they're still very young. A lot of the students that are applying for college, they have not had official training in budgets and in finances. So a lot of the language, of course, is foreign to them and it's it's not familiar. So we have to remember to be patient and to um, give as much grace and understanding to them when they're asking the same question multiple times and they just want to get it. They just want to understand. So that's what I've learned is just to be a little bit more patient with the, with the students and the families and realize that this is new to them and also that you have to start your preparation, start your education on finances a lot, lot sooner than later. Yeah, I like those two perspectives. I think especially thinking about that point you made about saving, I have a young son, very young, much younger than yours. I started saving when he was born as well because... Very smart. Yes, yes, I certainly know. I think it's it's an interesting point and and I think a lot of times your office, you, you get the good and the bad, right? Sometimes you get the... I re- like, why can't you give me more money? I really want to come. And sometimes you get, you know, thank you so much for this extra appeal money. And this is really going to make a difference. I'm going to come. Eagerly nodding my head. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All those questions. Yeah. And I think, I think it really, you guys are, it, it sounds funny to say this, but you guys are humans on the other side of it. You're, yes. you're worried about the same thing that parents who call you upset are worried about. You're worried about how am I going to pay for college for my son um, or, you know, and your kids. And I think that is, it. in a way, it humanizes the financial aid office yes. a little bit, right? We're you're not, not monsters. We're not scary. You're yes. not just, uh, you know, robots behind Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> right. You have, you have the same worries. So you, you understand the parents that come to you at accepted student receptions, in, the, in your offices, who make phone calls or emails, you have some of the same worries. Yes, absolutely. And um, we do. But it's, it's creeping up on you. That college experience it's is coming, coming soon. It's only a few years away. So <laughs> yeah. I'm taking all the advice that I give all the families. <laughs> yeah, you'll be, you're a pro, so you'll be fine. Yeah. I can, and I can help with the admission side of things. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll be calling on you. So just going back to the students and the, the financial um, implications of coming to college, how should a student look at financial aid awards to be able to make their best decision about affordability? I say that students need to gather all the information that they need. Um, you know, they'll have been either mailed a financial aid award letter. They may have a portal that they can log into. They should just have all the information in front of them. They want to take a look at the different types of financial aid offers in front of them as well and see, compare. Do they all offer some sort of institutional grant or scholarship? Do they all have loans? Are they calculating the loans out of the total net cost to the school? Are they, um, do they offer work study, that sort of thing? And did the financial aid offer give them a broad view of the cost to attend that institution or that college? So those are the types of things that they will want to compare. They'll want to know the cost of the college for one year. 
They'll want to know, you know, compare the bills or the estimated bill before it comes out so that they can see if this is this is an investment that which school is the one that they choose to invest in. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we, we've gotten a lot of questions about since we launched this podcast is, is how early is too early to decide to come to the school? And I think I've said in multiple episodes, if your student knows that they want to come here and they're ready and they want to make the decision in October, make the decision October. But if your student needs time to look at the financial aid and the mm-hmm. family needs time to look at financial mm-hmm. aid and they need to compare and they need to appeal and they need to come back to campus four or five times to take tours. Right. Wait until May 1st. Like there's no perfect time. Right. However, I'd like to ask you, is there a time that is too late when it comes to financial aid? Are, are families going to miss out on certain financial aid opportunities if they don't file the FAFSA until way later in the year? Well, at, at different institutions, it's going to be different, but I still say that a lot of times some buckets of funds in financial aid are first come, first served. Um, and once the funds are out, you're out of luck with those additional funds. So I always say the earlier you apply, the better. Put all of your questions out there. Like you said, apply for the appeals or just ask about different grants or scholarships particular to your state that you're applying or the school. And because once those funds are gone, there's just no more. Um, so, Yeah, and you definitely don't want to miss out on funds. You and don't want to miss out. That goes back to our conversation about the the hardest, you know, the most devastating part is when a student can't, you know, afford, they really want to come, but they can't afford. And I think the earlier you get your FAFSA in, the the more likely you'll have access to, you know, different funds or be able to understand, okay, this is what I got. I have to apply to these outside scholarships. I have to apply to, you know, four or five outside scholarships to try and make the difference. Mm -hmm. I think the great thing about Regis is that we offer the best financial aid package up front that we can. We're not in the habit of hoarding money or keeping money away from students. We have a pot for appeals. Um, No students guaranteed to get it, but we do our best to make sure that if we can give it to you, you're going to get it. Um, But we give the best package up front. So um, students can feel comfortable that you know, what's available, they will receive. Yeah. And I think, again, back to a point earlier, the appeals we have, you know, we have that bucket for appeals. Mm-hmm. I don't think you or, you or I have ever gotten an appeal and said, wow, this student is ungrateful for the first package we Never. sent them. It's Never. always, we always understand. Yes. Each and, situation is unique. Yeah. And no two are alike. So yes, we definitely understand. Yeah. So we can squash that myth that if you appeal, the you're coming across as ungrateful. Absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. done, gone. That one's done. Perfect. <laughs> Wash it down the river. <laughs> um, what do you think are some important deadlines that students should know about when it comes to financial aid? Is there is there a last point that you can you know apply for financial aid and then after that you're you're kind of on your own for the the semester? Is there a deadline? I say for. For the students applying in the different schools will have different deadlines. Pay attention to what they are on their website or in the, um, the material that the school is communicating to the, to the student or the family. At Regis, we say if you're looking to get your FAFSA in, you want to definitely get it in before May 1st, especially if you're a student from Massachusetts, because that helps you to qualify for, to make sure you're in the running for state aid. I believe that date now has been moved to July 1st. 
um, the pandemic helped issue that change. However, we still want you to get it in sooner than later. So we would say May 1st at Regis. Um, but even earlier than that, again, after October 1st, you're free to go ahead and apply and just watch for the different deadlines at the different institutions that they're applying to. Yeah. And, and on our end, we look for students to deposit to come here by May 1st. So right. it kind of lines up that deadline for, especially for Massachusetts students, like looking at that May 1st FAFSA and also, you know, that's a deadline we, we hope to get students to decide on. Yeah. Um, so that is it, both... Both of our offices align in that way. Yes. Um, we try to keep it a seamless process together. Yeah, and I think, again, it goes back to the point that we work pretty closely together. You get you know one admission counselor, one financial aid counselor. We're all working towards mm -hmm. that May 1st deadline, so mm -hmm. um, we're, we're working with you to be consistent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. So once a student is here... Do they follow the same path? Do they still have to follow the FAFSA? Do, is it still open October 1st? Or do things change once a student is here? No. So the great thing is every year the student, if they're looking to receive financial aid, they have to complete the FAFSA um, all over again. Financial situations could change, families, income statuses, um, divorces, um, just, just so many different things could change over the course of a year. So, and the FAFSA right now is currently looking at two years prior income. So we just want to make sure that we're capturing that, that best reflection of the family and their finances and their household size and things of that nature. Right now, the FAFSA is going through, is undergoing a change. So starting 2024-25, we're looking at a, a simpler, a simplified FAFSA. So some things are going away and some new things are being added, but hopefully I'll be back on your podcast again to go over those new changes and keep the families ahead of the curve. Yes, definitely. Schedule that for early <laughs> early September before yeah. the FAFSA opens. Um, and, and we talked about the FAFSA. We talked about the Regis Financing and Award Guide. What other resources outside of Regis do you think that parents and students can explore to educate themselves on the financial aid process? Oh, yes. Um, scholarships are still out there, and a lot of them go unclaimed, unapplied for. So we definitely ask students, we encourage you to look for scholarships in unusual places. Start with your parents' place of employment. Um, usually they have scholarships that students can apply for. Look for your the student's place of employment. If you're working at a part-time job, you can ask them if they have scholarship opportunities. Look on their website. And there's also some very reputable scholarship websites still out there, scholarships, scholarshipamerica.org and, and some others, fastweb.com, that will create a profile for the student and deliver them scholarships that they could be eligible for. So it's all about the legwork and the work that the student wants to put in to secure a scholarship. So, um, you know, they can work over the summer, save their money. That's a big thing as well, is learning to save and put money aside money for books, you know, and other sort of um, indirect costs that will come out of the student's pocket. Learning to work, save, apply for scholarships, and and work very closely with your financial aid office. Yeah, and, and just a couple things that I could think off of that is mm -hmm. when I was a student, I, I use a lot of the resources and toolkits that, that MIFA has available in Massachusetts, yes, yes. Um, which is great, I'm sure. 
if you've turned on any radio in Massachusetts, you've heard of MIFA commercial. Yes, the, the Massachusetts Education Financing Authority. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and also, I think, you know, how that all wraps together outside scholarships, employer scholarships, just anecdotally, you and I sat through an appeal and we, we were unable to award the appeal, but we noticed that the parents' pay, place of employment could provide some benefit to the student. Yes. We had that uh, conversation. We had a student the that next, way. Yeah. last couple of weeks where, okay, we, we can't award this appeal, but we noticed that your, your parent might have some benefits through their employer yes. that could help you pay for college. And I think that goes back to the individualized attention that you get here and getting to know your financial aid counselor, getting to know your admission counselor, they're going to go at least here, they're going to go above and beyond to find, okay, we we didn't have the funds for you, but we have something you could try. Right. And I think if that you might don't even know be better than yeah. what you would have received out of the process, the appeal process. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you don't, if you don't go through the appeal process or if you don't get to know your financial aid counselor, your admission counselor, you might never get that opportunity to have that conversation. So mm -hmm. exercise as many options as you have because you never know somebody on our end who goes through this every day, might be able to identify something that could be beneficial for the student yes. based on what they put in their application. Yes, we might have seen a situation that is very similar that we, you know, just kind of triggers our brain to say, oh, we've seen this before. Maybe we can help in this way. Yeah, and I think, Tanya, this has been great that you've been able to be on the, the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you again for having me. I was myself a first-gen student when I went to college. Me too. Yeah, and I was terrified of financial aid, the financial aid process. And, <laughs> and I think over the years, I started to learn a little bit more about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied for scholarships and I became an RA to help with the costs and things like that. But I didn't truly understand it until I started working in admission. Yes, yes. So I think it's just such a, for the parents that are listening, and even if some of their students are able to listen to this podcast, mm -hmm. it can be a daunting thing to think about financial aid. But I hope this podcast kind of gives hope to those parents and students out there that we're here for you. We're here to connect you to their financial aid counselor. Tanya's team is here. Tanya is here for you. Absolutely. We have that opportunity here to hopefully make it affordable mm -hmm. and a place that you can call home over the next four years. Absolutely. And you know, the, the, the Department of Ed has done lots over the years to just simplify this process for families so that there's less paperwork, there's less mystery, um, less guessing, and more facts, more funding. So um, I'm glad I was here and I hope I was able to shed some light on that. And definitely if parents have questions, they should definitely reach out finaid at regiscollege.edu. We're here for you. We are, we'll meet you with Zoom, with Teams, phone call, whatever you like, just to make sure that you have the information you need. And for those parents out there, I just want to remind you that this is a parent-driven podcast. We've had four great episodes so far and we would love to continue to have some great episodes along the way. We'd love to hear more from you. We'd, we'd love to get your questions either for Tanya, for myself, or questions for other members of the Regis community or other offices you want to hear from. Your ideas, we want, we want this to be helpful to you. So if you have questions or you have offices that you want to hear from or students, types of students that you want to hear from, please reach out. Um, you can reach out to our office at admission at regiscollege.edu. Use podcasts in the subject line and a member of my team in the undergraduate admission office will respond to you and hopefully we'll have your questions answered in the next decision letter debrief. Until next time, this is decision letter debrief. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.